0: Of our lives inside, either in traffic, at work, or close eyes. How about we all agree that it's way overdue to take back our lives? I can work wherever. what's up guys welcome into the work wherever podcast on today's episode we have an interview i told you i was going to get you guys some interviews and that's what i that's what i'm doing we have a few of them in the works in terms of recording these episodes i told you i was going to get you some and and you know if i if i tell you i'm going to do it then i do it generally so if you guys are new to the show uh, we got four different flavors of the, the podcast. We got Internet Hotspot. That's where Sydney and I cr- go through the internet. We read some articles, pull out some trends around AI and automation, and we break them down, telling you what's what you should look out for, what's true, what's not true. Then we have the Roy's Rants. That's me by myself. Uh, i generally trying to make those a little bit more technical these days, helping you guys through your automated processes. We have Homegrown with Haley. That's my wife. It's more of like a lifestyle podcast. We talk about homeschooling and how it's affected us and how it's opened the doors of travel. And then we have these like full length interviews that I haven't done in a long time. And you guys just keep DMing me or Sydney or Destiny keeps asking me when we're going to be doing one. And (laughs) today we have one of those. So her name is Angela Bradford and she runs a financial brokerage. Uh, out of Canada and the United States, so it doesn't matter where in North America you guys are at. Uh, hit up my girl Angela and Angela, thanks for coming on. I appreciate it.
1: Oh man, I'm so excited to be here. Thank you so much, Roy.
0: Yeah, so Angela and I met in Arte. Which, if you guys don't know what Arte Syndicate is, then you know, do yourself a Google favor and uh, and and look that up. A lot of great people, a lot of great entrepreneurs who have incredible stories. Yours is is as incredible as everyone else is and it's just this amazing community of people who have these crazy backstories so you know i I hate to be cliche and to like talk hey let's start with your backstory but i feel like in order for people to appreciate where you are at today they have to understand where you came from so angela can you give us just a the backstory of of who Angela Bradford is, and and you've always been this crazy entrepreneur who travels the globe. And right? Isn't that how Yeah, uh, you're totally? Born? Like
1: right out of right born that way. <laughs>
0: right. <laughs> <laughs>
1: so um my background, I was actually homeschooled. So I love that about you and your family. Um, so I was homeschooled, I think I did like three months in a Christian school in grade two, and other than that, everything was was homeschooled. Um, found out later I'm dyslexic, so I'm glad I was homeschooled. I went into horse training, I went into truck driving, went into school bus driving, building houses, everything blue collar and normally worked anywhere from three to five jobs um, because I just like to be busy. So I was always trying to find things to be busy. Um, At 19, I started training horses in the States, in Minnesota. So I I, looking back, I mean, I had the travel bug, I guess, like from even from a childhood. We used to go see my grandpa down in Louisiana from Alberta, which is 42 hours of, of drive time um, I don't know how my parents did it because we were not the best kids on a drive, but um, we traveled from a very young age. So then I got into all that. I got into truck driving, which is where I really started, you know, traversing and going um, across across North America. Saw a lot of a lot of stuff there. And then I got introduced to the financial industry about eight years ago and transitioned to the financial industry full time seven years ago. And, you know, have definitely never looked back. Last couple of years, obviously, the world went interesting let's go with that And we were able to convert from a brick and mortar business to an online platform which allowed us to travel and work from anywhere so i took advantage of that and have been traveling pretty much ever since especially when the weather's cold in alberta for anyone that knows alberta not google it it's cold up here in the winter don't come here in the winter um and so i leave here in the winter and go like this year i'll be in galveston um was in mexico last year florida south carolina pretty much anywhere there's an ocean and i you know, warmer. (laughs) So that's kind of been a really short version of my journey over the last 40 years of my life, I guess.
0: (laughs) I don't think I knew that you trained horses and uh, were homeschool. I feel like we have way more in common than we already knew. Uh, and I've taught, it's not like one of these things where I feel like some podcasts, right. Where they're like, this is my friend. And they've talked like one time, like, I feel like I've known you for what, I guess it's been almost three years now that we've, uh, been running in the same circles and, and, and conversated and stuff. And that's really cool that you train. So what do you mean by train horses? Like, were they uh, like work horses, farm horses, thoroughbreds? Like what, what Um, kind of horse training do you do?
1: (laughs) So I mainly got into starting colts. So just getting them so you could ride them. Um, I remember one day getting bucked off like five times in one day, I broke my back. I broke my arm. I mean, horses have taken me also across, you know, a lot of places at 27, I went and trained horses, uh english hack and jumpers actually in um australia so i went there for a a show season and and trained over there which was super exciting because i didn't know what i was doing so that was quite a learning experience for me and uh yeah then i got into the jumpers back here got into cross country, um, cross country jumping was, is actually where my passion still lies. I love that. We went into Ireland when and did that there. It was super awesome.
0: Like steeplechase um, type running.
1: Kind of, but not quite that crazy, but like fox hunting. was Yeah.
0: Ireland. Yeah. So
1: yeah, we were fox hunting there, 150 horses in the field. It was just nuts. Um, but super fun. I did that about 10 years ago. And so, yeah, pretty much everything from starting colts into you know, English and jumpers and cross country. Um, and that's kind of where I went. And since then I still have four saddles in my living room, which is kind of funny because I live in a one bedroom condo in the city, but I have four saddles in my living room because, well, you know, they're, they're why
0: not? They we are. have two saddles down here in the, in I'm in my basement and on the other side <laughs> of, of this right here, we have two saddles that just sit there. We don't own any horses right now. We did no. own a horse. So my father-in-law we're taking a left turn, but that's okay. Cause I love oh, to talk about this. Um, My father-in-law is a racehorse trainer. And so my wife, Haley, whom you know, she uh, grew up in barns and stables and around thoroughbreds and, you know, was riding at a very young age. And so I've kind of learned a lot about horse racing and horses in general through her. Not kind of. Everything I know about horses is from this uh, 15-year journey that her and I have been on. And uh, it's crazy. That world is nuts. So, like, what age did you start – like, it sounds like you were around horses at a really young age.
1: Yeah, relatively. Not, like, super young. Probably around 15, honestly, is when That's I really young. got into it. I um, My parents didn't have horses, which is where most people start. I just wanted to ride horses – and so I remember going to my neighbors across the, the highway there and being like, Hey, can I ride your horses? And I just bothered them until they finally let me ride. And then I remember she's like, okay, well, you can like start this horse. I was like, I want to be a horse trainer. So I was like reading all these books. on like, you know, horse whispering. And I, I whisper, but my horse doesn't listen. But anyway, I would like read all these books <laughs> and I, I wanted to try all these things. I want to be a horse trainer. And so she's like, all right, well, you can start this horse. And it was, um, I just remember the first horse I started was a 10 year old Arabian gelding who had never been rode. And so my first horse was 10, which is not exactly the best idea. Not ideal, right? (laughs) No, not ideal. So we came off a ton, but I tried these poor horses, man. When I first started, I was trying all the techniques on all of them. I tried like everything. So, um, but I mean, I got them trained and she gave me another one and I rode him. And then I, I moved up from there, probably, couple of years later, I started and I would ride because I was homeschooled. I would get up at five o'clock in the morning or earlier and I would get all my homework done by like eight o'clock. And I would go out and ride from eight o'clock till supper time and then ride in the evening. So I was riding like eight to 10 hours a day or working with horses. And I remember when it was really cold out there, like you can't ride. It's like minus 30 um, you know, it's not good for the horse to get hot, but I was still so horse crazy. I would go out and I take the horse for a walk. So I'd be all bundled up and I put it on a halter. and literally go for like a mile walk with this horse beside me, just because I don't know. I wanted to spend time with the horse in 30, um, and be outside, which I don't know. It's crazy, I guess.
0: Why not? What else would you do?
1: What else could you do? Right. So I was just like, I was obsessed with, with horses. Um, and then, you know, at 17, I had an opportunity to start to train Um, one of my friends had a lot of, he had a PMU operation, which is pregnant mares. They use your urine for a while for, um, I don't know what you call it for, for pills and stuff, but anyway, Mm -hmm. and so I went there and he had a whole bunch of Colts to start. So I started Colts for him. That was my first paid kind of job. And I started for him. And, um, I just, like I said, I just remember like getting bucked off all the time. I was just like, I was falling off. I was getting bucked off. I was like coming off like left, right and center. Um, and then, yeah, 19, I went down and trained horses in Minnesota on a kids camp down there, which was a crazy experience. All these experiences, when I think back, I'm like, I don't even know. how. Yeah, survive. but
0: they make you who you are.
1: Yeah, totally. You know? Yeah. It, and, it's all uh, part
0: of that journey to be like, I mean, I, listening to you talk is it's no wonder you're an entrepreneur, you know, <laughs> like and, and so like there I feel like the more that I talk to people and the more that I communicate with people. I've always found, I've found like two different and there's plenty of these. So people don't hit me up and say there's these are the only two. This is just the, the two that I've found is that horse people and hunters make crazy entrepreneurs because from the very beginning, I feel like like what you're talking about, jumping on a colt. I, it sounds like, OK, we're just getting on a horse, right? But th- this is a wild animal Yeah. that that you have to convince that somehow you're their friend. And they don't have to throw you off or try to kick, which by the way, getting kicked by a horse can kill you. Like these are huge animals that, so that's, that's incredible that, I I mean, I love hearing the stories and the, 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 but I'm serious. Like horse people, the resilience, the amount of pain that horse people go through and the stubbornness that they have to, you know, not only deal with from the animal, but they have to kind of be a little stubborn and crazy themselves. Um, which I, I I love you, Haley, if you're listening, you're not stubborn and crazy. And but it's just these horse horse people are wild. And and hunters, I find it the same way, where hmm. for what it takes to sit in a tree for like six hours and be patient, knowing that you have the end goal in mind of getting harvesting the deer or whatever it is that you're hunting that day. Mm -hmm. That takes some severe patience. Then all of those traits translate so well in entrepreneurship, which is why I love to hear people's backstory story. You know, I know some people just want to hear, you know, like, oh, I I had to overcome so much pain and and that's part of who we become as well. And that's I'm not trying to sweep that under the rug by any means. That's Mm -hmm. definitely important, too. But you can always kind of tell when you're talking to somebody by hearing their story and you're like, okay, I see it now. You know, it all makes sense. And the horse, the horse story with you is just, to me, that's, it's no wonder you are the way you are um, and how resilient you are because from an early age, I mean, 15 is early. It might not be early. Like I grew up on horses and I'm a little girl with my pony on my sixth birthday or whatever, but to train horses and, and you said you were traveling you, Australia. Is that what I'm you said? In Australia, my twenties. Yeah. Sheesh. I mean, that's like how many other 20 year olds are traveling the world trying to fulfill a passion you know
1: no and, my poor and that translate directly over <laughs> what'd you say my poor parents
0: <laughs> oh yeah well yeah Horses, my, mom. Is a, my yeah. poor mom
1: that's <laughs> a lot yeah for her.
0: <laughs> that's another uh you guys out there thinking who your kids are in like travel baseball and stuff like that and you have to drive like the next county over try being <laughs> a horse person and you're trailing a horse behind your truck or a car or whatever you know the other side of the world or country that's real travel sports right there
1: yeah <laughs> Yeah, Yeah, my dad always said horses were hay burners. So I just had to make a living doing it.
0: (laughs) That's right. You got to figure it out. You find a way, you know? And and people who grow up on farms or or around horses, they're strong. They're like a different type of strong, you know? There's like farmers. There's like I go to the gym strong. And then there's like farmer strong, right? And farmer strong, they might have never lifted a weight. They might not even have been in a weight room, but somehow they're just like huge and they don't look like, you know, like your weight, li- like power lifters, right? No. It's a different strong. It's like yes. corn, you know, corn beef and, 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 uh, potatoes strong somehow, you know?
1: Yes. Way, way stronger.
0: <laughs> Amazing. Wow. So, um, all right. So you did this through your twenties and you're traveling the world. And it sounds like this was a passion or still is a passion of yours. So where's, where does the switch take place? Where, where is it? Angela becomes, moves out of horses
1: um so when I got in the financial industry I just um when I actually quit and really realized that this is what I was meant to do I just that was part of it I just realized that this was my calling and I was here for a purpose and I could make a huge impact in the world through you know through building a business and through doing all of that that stuff with the financial industry and so Time just became, I mean, there's only so much time in a day. So I, I, horses started to take a back seat. I was like, if I'm was making myself ride horses and like, well, if I'm not doing it for fun, then why am I doing it? So I, I just basically took a huge step back from horses, really haven't rode a lot in the last few years. Um, by choice. And, you know, like I said, maybe it'll come back. I feel like one day it will. But for now, it's just been like, like I said, I, I moved from one obsession basically to another obsession. Um, and both purposes were to have an impact. And I just feel like, well, I know that God put us on this earth for a purpose. And, you know, my name is Angela, which is God's messenger. And I really stepped into that honestly, in the last few years, when I got diagnosed with MS in 2019. And then that's where things really started to take a, you know, just a huge dramatic um, shift, I guess it shifted before, but it really started to shift there where I realized, you know, I'm not here for myself, I'm here for a bigger purpose, and I'm here for other people. And right now, my bigger purpose is building a business um, across Canada and the US and, and really making a big difference out there in the financial. Um, welfare of like Canadians and Americans Mm -hmm. and helping people make money and save money and all of that kind of good stuff. And, you know, it just kind of funny went from like blue collar to definitely white collar, but I mean, it doesn't really matter what you do. It's who you are and who you are does not change. And I think that's, you know, that's a key thing for people to think about. A lot of times people are like, well, this is what I do, or this is who I am. that's not who you are. That's what you do. Who you are is a different thing. (laughs) So you could change what you do.
0: (laughs) Yeah. No, that's um, that's one of like the first questions people ask you, at least here in America. And I assume Canada is the same. I've only been to Canada a few times, but I assume our cultures are pretty same. Um, But it's like one of the first questions people ask you, right? Oh, what do you do? What's your name? What do you do? You know, and when I was younger, I answered it in a very specific way and was like, you know, oh, I'm a whatever. I work for so and so or I'm this title or I do this. But to your point, right, at some point, maybe call it wisdom. I don't know, maybe call it just getting old or being tired of explaining to what it is that I do. But you, you, your mindset changes about what do you do? It's no longer like, oh, I do this for work. I do this for transactions. I do this to support my family. It and it becomes, you know, what what purpose do you serve? You know? It's like, What purpose do you believe that you're called for? I think is the real question that they're asking for. I would hope that the question that they're not actually looking for is how should I address you or how should I measure you up? You know, which oftentimes in America, that's kind of how we ask the question is how much respect should I pay you? Hopefully that's not why you guys are asking that question. And hopefully you're actually looking to create a real conversation with these people and in doing so, I feel like the question really is, is what purpose do you serve? And to your point is helping people is become something that now I know we run in the same circle, so it's ingrained in, in who we are and, and, and our, our hearts and minds, but to the younger entrepreneurs or to really the tech field. I mean, if you're listening to this podcast and you're in the tech field, you're, you're, your influence is far greater than code. It, it goes to what is your technology serving? Who is it serving? And hopefully that answer is humans and people and not anything else. And so that, that is a big part of, of what we do now, right, is this understanding of that we serve a greater purpose. And we're called by God into different careers. I, like you, so like, you know, you loved horses and you had to switch careers. I'm sure that was painful to move i'm sure that wasn't an easy decision to make maybe the decision was made for you Um, sometimes that happens too i was in i wanted to be in radio i worked for sirius xm for a little while i had you know my own internet radio station and that i created and um kids come priorities change and you get that tug and you're called to pulled and you're saying hey roy you know listen over here. This is not who you're meant to be. Come on over here. And you can either, you know, go easy uh, or the big man upstairs will find a way to pull you. Right. So um now I, I love that. And I love the way you phrase it is to say that this was, this is a calling. It wasn't like, you know, well, financial planning, it was, you know, I felt like I'd roll the dice at it and see what happens, you know? <laughs> like it's a originally
1: but yeah it changed
0: (laughs) yeah well that's that i mean that that was how coding started with me too i mean when i started developing and i started in the technology field you know i was like 15 and this was like the internet was like what do you go on the internet for you know to chat with your friends like why why are you going on the internet so building websites and understanding how to code and stuff like that other than like customizing my myspace page held no real like value in the world at least in my dad's eyes whereas i wanted to go to a coding school and i wanted to go to tech school and i got very strictly vetoed that i was not going to do that and i was going to go get a business degree so you know at first when you're starting to do something you know what i do now is like it's not sexy right but they're necessary tools that you had to learn being in the radio industry, although it didn't end up being my end of career. I mean, I have a podcast, but it helped me communicate mm-hmm. and have a conversation with somebody. And just like horses might not have ended up being in your, your end of career. You know, that's not what you did for the rest of your life. There are lessons learned there through perseverance, oh, yeah. dedication that helped you in your next endeavor that, that you didn't even know they were less. You just saw you were having fun in negative 30, you know? This was something that you just thought was fun. But it's those lessons that take us through our lives that where we do enter into a a career and we're like, eh, you know, let's see what this, let's see where this takes us. And then you go, Oh wait, I can make a real difference with this. And I already have all of the tools to make this work. I just got to put them together. So I, 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 I love it. And so within your financials uh, with the financial industry, How quickly did you, were you able to lean on some of your past experience, your other tools? Did it come naturally to you? I mean, some people jump into their new career when they're switching careers and they're just boom, right? I don't think that's everybody. I think that's the minority, but that's the expectation a lot of people have is they're like, I jump into this career and then I hit the ground running and I never looked back, right? It's like, yeah, sure you did. But I'd love to hear your transition.
1: Oh, man, it was the toughest thing I ever did. Um, <laughs> I'm introverted by nature. And so, you know, entering a people industry is not exactly like introvert. So I had to learn to talk to people. That was probably one of the biggest things when I transitioned. I had to learn to talk to people. And so I got a lot of rejection. Um, a lot of people saying, hey, I'm not interested. I don't want to learn more. You're uh, you're doing a scam. Like I had everything in those first few years. And then from there, I started to build a team and then I had to learn leadership and leadership was not something I was super good at because, because I was homeschooled um, and, you know, did everything by myself, truck driving, you know, tourist training, all this stuff. I figured everyone would be like me and they would just be self-motivated and just do Mm -hmm. their own thing. And I didn't need to help them really do anything. Cause like, I just figured it out. So I figured they'd figure it out. And that's not how uh, most people operate. So leadership is something I had to really work on and become a better leader because I was super direct with people. And I would just like blow them out of the water, which was not very um, good for them or me or anybody for that matter. So I really had to work on leadership, personal development, growth, all of that. And I didn't see a huge dramatic jump in my business. I mean, I worked really hard for the 1st let let's going to say five, four, five years, um, four years for sure. I was working really hard. And then the fifth year, which was 2020 is where things started to explode and we grew 167%. And so it's something to do with that, you know, the work you did, you just keep working and working and working and you don't see the results. And then one day you you start to see the results of all the personal growth of all the work of all the things. And it's like a bamboo tree where it just like explodes. So that was really, that was really cool in 2020 for me um, to see, I'm like, oh my gosh, it is actually working. I just had to work Mm -hmm. for a little bit longer. And I think You know, most people, um, I don't know what, I forget what the statistics are, but it's like, it's pretty high. Most people quit in the first five years of starting a business. And, you know, if I quit, we wouldn't be, you know, I just wouldn't be where we're at. Like crazy thought to think most people quit. Because they don't see the results fast enough. And yet, you know, an entrepreneurship, it's no different really than going to school in some senses. People go to school for four years and don't make a dime. In fact, they spend a lot of money and then they go start a business and they expect to make a lot of money. And that just boggles my mind. Because how would you expect to learn something completely new and make a bunch of money? What's it different than school? My dad was an entrepreneur, so I was around it and I I realized you had to front end load stuff. You had to do the work. And I just like I said, if anyone's listening to this and they're starting a business, man, you got to put in the time. It's like getting a degree. Like I said, you go to school for four years and everyone's like, Great job, keep going, you're doing great. You start a business, and first day they're like, Did you make any money? Like, what are you doing? Like it's so funny, it's so counterproductive. Our society on wanting people to get an education, nothing wrong with that, but not start a business because you know, that, that's, that's not good. You can spend a bunch of money, but like, what if you even just break even like that's, you should be making money. Like, it's so funny how how our society works as far as that goes. So yes, huge learning curve and massive shifts still going on throughout life as far as all of that goes.
0: Yeah. Which those shifts are naturally going to happen and they should happen if you're going to continue to be successful. And I love the, the example of schooling. I haven't heard somebody use that uh, parallel before i love that to say yeah we, we go to school we we think that's totally normal the education and the amount of information that we're consuming through four years where we're paying six figures mm-hmm. to to get that in many cases six mm-hmm. um maybe hopefully not more um but typically not less at least here in america the mm-hmm. uh you're paying a whole bunch of money to get the education to then but then when you enter into the workforce it's like we expect instant gratification and entrepreneurship, in a way, is your your it's education. Yeah, you got your degree. Yeah, I mean it's the the degree and what is it? The degree in hard knocks they call it, right? That some people <laughs> it's just like you're learning, like you and you got to bust your ass. And there's a lot of reasons why mm-hmm. banks won't give you a loan for the first five years because of what you just said, right? Like they they don't believe in you, you know. Sure. But, there's a lot of people that won't believe any of the first 5 years. It's it's mm-hmm. your side gig, you know. I remember when we first started, we had our first Chris, we finally did like a full like real year. Like we actually had income coming in, we had employees, like it was like we had a real business, you know. It was like we were is like our maybe second or third year in business, I think overall. And we had like a company party, which there was like 6 of us, right? <laughs> and we're like we basically went out to dinner. And I remember one of the wives, she asked one of my other employees, she was like, so what do you do? And they're, you know, oh, I, you know, I, I you know, I'm a developer and like, oh, okay, who do you work for? And it was like, well, you, what do you mean? Like, I, I were here, you know? It was like, even though we still had like built something, it was still looked at as even some of my employees' wives were looking at it as like, this is like a part-time thing. This is like not. isn't going to make it right like you're not putting all your eggs in this basket are you you know so it's like people are are not going to believe in you through for a while until you until you do it and that's a direct parallel to, to technology the amount of you know on-ramping the amount of discovery the amount of empathy that you show into solving a problem regardless of industry right there's so much parallel between business and technology that it's crazy and people just automatically think that if i build a widget then you know it's going to work but the on-ramping the empathy the understanding of your client the putting in the sweat equity to putting into the information to building up the requirements so that you can build some a little thing just to show hey like look at the button it's red, but you don't think about how much effort and time and requirements and user experience that went into making that button red. It's because they enjoy this and they enjoy that and they wanted it here. And they would. It's like all they see is well, the buttons red, you know, and and business is the same way. Entrepreneurship is the same way. People look at it and they say, oh, so how'd you do? Oh, well, you know, you know, we broke even, which is a huge accomplishment, by the way, uh-huh. everybody out there. Uh, and they're like, oh, you're not driving a Lamborghini and you're not on vacation somewhere in the Bahamas. Like, what are you even doing? Go work for, you know, somebody else go work for a real company. You know, it's like, what? So don't, don't lose hope out there. Yeah. And that's such a great message, right? It's like, you're going to go through stumbles. You're going to go through a lot. And I, Angela, I love your example of looking at it as like education because that's mm-hmm. exactly what it is.
1: Well, that's what I looked at. So when I when I got started, I was like, well, to get my MBA, if that's what I was going for in finances, that's a don't know what it is or two year or four year. I don't even know, but it's a degree. So I was like, well, if I'm starting in the finances industry, I don't know anything, which I don't know anything beyond, you know, I was making okay money and didn't know what to do with it. So I don't know anything I had to learn. So I did think of that. I'm like, you know, and it's so cool because when I looked at it that way in four years, we're making we were making a six figure income. And I'm like, most people are six figure in debt. And we were making a six figure income within well, within four years. And I'm like, this is amazing. Whereas yeah, a lot of people in the first couple years, or even the first couple months are like, what do you mean you're not making money? I'm like, most people like it just boggles my mind because most right. people go to school and you're spent you don't ask them, they're in school. And you're, hey, are you not making money? You mean you spent money to learn? Oh my right. gosh, like this yeah. must be a scam. This is not gonna work, like you're an idiot. No, no one does that. But you go and get a business and you're not even spending any money. You're you're I was cash flow positive in my first month, you know, of really going at it a little bit. So I'm like, that's better than going to school. Like I'm cash flow positive. Like. Right. But people are still like, "Oh, it's a scam. It's funny. I don't know what you're doing. You should be going back to truck driving." Like it's so <laughs> funny. Our 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 society.
0: <laughs> There's an important. I feel like that's that's an important thing that's overlooked. Is that if you're an entrepreneur and you're making enough money to do what you want to do, and you're supporting your family and you're have a roof over your head and your bills are paid, you're successful. You don't have to have this like you know, house and the farm and the vacation home and the Lambo and the G-Wagon. and I mean, like, that's what entrepreneurship has become on the Internet. That's not what entrepreneurship is. Entrepreneurship is creating businesses and, and making an impact in your community. And if you do that through three or four employees uh, and some charitable donations, and you're, you're able to, like, step back from the business a little bit and volunteer your time at the local community shelter or whatever it is, you are a successful entrepreneurship Uh, entrepreneur but the internet has made it into this like and hollywood and it's made it into this like glamorous crazy like yeah dream chaser thing which is you know cool i guess you know shoot for the stars but like do what's do what you feel called to do don't feel pressured that you have to do something that your heart's not really in because that's when there's the other side of it too right there's the people who never get started right and they're like ah well it's not for me and then there's the people who are like i'm all in and they build a business and then they build it up to a point and they're like i'm not all in enough and then they totally blow it by just like spending on on things to to feel like they have like some level of importance that they feel like they need to have based Mm -hmm. on what they see Mm -hmm. you know so i'm sure as a financial advisor hopefully none of your clients are out there buying up uh lambos and private jets on money they don't have right money they don't
1: have yeah yeah
0: <laughs> so let's get into work wherever a little bit right so this is the work wherever sure. podcast and there's tons of parallels between technology and what we've just talked about and we're building applications and the processes and spending time to really like focus in on something before you release it and then uh, tracking and understanding being resilient but let's talk about the work wherever side of this because I don't know anyone who travels more than you, and I'll just be—I'll just put that out there. <laughs> I feel like <laughs> getting Not a hold of you is <laughs> getting a hold of you is crazy. Like it's like, oh yeah, like we were just on before the show started, and, and you're like, hey, are you going to Summit, which is like a meetup that we're gonna do, and uh, I think it's in Savannah, Savannah, Georgia. Yeah. yeah. And you're like, are you going? And I'm like, yeah, you know, I'm putting together the pieces to go. And I think last time we talked, you were like, yeah, I'll be in like. Vegas the day before and then Texas, and then I got to go over to Savannah and then I'm going down to Florida. And it's like, what? So this <laughs> traveling that you do, and I assume you're still able to work. How are you able to get this all accomplished?
1: Um, yeah, I work, I work, I would say harder when I'm traveling than when I'm at home in in a weird way, because at home there's a lot of distractions, you know, there's this person that wants to yeah. meet up for lunch. And then there's this person that wants to meet up for coffee and all that stuff takes time. Whereas when I'm traveling, all I have is me and work and travel. And so I just book. um, So some of my tips, I guess I book my flights as much as possible, not always works, but I try to book my flights in non-work times. So if I can have a night flight, like I'm flying from Vegas to Savannah, I leave at 10 PM at night from Vegas with the time difference. I show back up at Savannah at like 8 AM. I'm like, perfect. There goes my day. I sleep on the plane um and when i get there i'm ready to go it also saved me a whole hotel night so i'm all about saving mm-hmm. so that saved me a whole hotel right and then you know i book i just try to book around work so Um, You know, when I'm in, I'm in Galveston for just over a month, Galveston, Texas, and I know I'll just be working. I don't, I'm not planning on renting a car or anything like that. And the reason is because then that distracts me. There's so many people, there's so many places I could drive. There's so many, if I don't have a car and I'm stranded in one place, then all I can do is work. So I get a lot of work done and I'm in a happy place because I'm by the ocean. And so I see the water. I just learned on this on Ed my podcast. I guess water actually is scientifically like really helpful. So I can like listen to the water and I can just be there and I can work and I can make calls and I can do appointments and I can do all the things um, while I'm traveling. And I'm like, this is like, this is the life that I dreamed about, you know, and we visualize and and think about it. I was always like, I just want to live by an ocean. I want to have this dream life. And when I transitioned from truck driving um, to, to financial services, you know, I used to be on the ocean. In California, once a week, while I was truck driving, and I I remember thinking like I gave it up to now work in an office, which is totally not my. People always say that to me, like I just could never work in an office. I'm like I didn't think so either. But when your calling's big enough, you can do whatever you need to do. And so when I when I was like, man, I'm giving up this ocean to work in an office and help people win and help my team win and all this stuff. And then it was so interesting. Like I said, when the world kind of shut down and gave us the opportunity to work remotely, which was amazing. I just felt like it was God saying, you know what? You gave up the ocean a day a week and I can give it to you now for the rest of your life. And it's such like, I still remember being in Florida in 2020 and like waking up to the ocean every day. And I was like, that was my biggest month in business ever. And I was living, I was in Florida and I was like, this is crazy. I'm like, this is my life. This is, this is nuts. We can make. You know, whatever we want to make, while living that life that, like the internet says, is as a reality. Mm-hmm. But most people, it's just a thing. I'm like, we're actually doing that. We're actually able to live wherever we want. We're able to work, you know, wherever we want and make unlimited income in this industry. And I'm like, holy moly, um, this is really, really cool to be able to give people this opportunity to be able to do the same thing. You know if they want to get started and they can have that life. And you know, I've recruited a lot of people that are doing that now. You know, they're traveling, they're building their dream life and they're able to live and work wherever. And it's just so cool to see. Mm-hmm. Um but yeah that'd be some tips. Book your travel around time that you don't have to work if you can like book it around that. Um I'm really like I said I book a lot of one way flights. I'll drive to fly so I'm not stranded in airports, but I mean, I've done appointments in airports, I find a quiet corner. I mean, we can work literally anywhere. So, you know, as long as there's Wi Fi, we can we can work. And so, you know, really making sure to utilize the time that you have in between meetings and, you know, that kind of thing. I think that's a huge tip on like how I'm able to travel and work because a lot of people get distracted when they work. And I'm like, no, like I, I'm going to enjoy my time, but like, I can do an appointment and then I can go to the water then I can do a call and then I can go to the water and I can do both. Um, and that's a cool thing about our business is, you know, and being able to work from anywhere, as you know, I mean, a lot of businesses are like that now is just really utilizing that time when you do travel so that, you know, you're, you're working, not just like hanging out.
0: (laughs) Right. That was the I feel like that's the mindset change that so you know our business we were founded in 2016 uh officially um even though we had been working in some capacities in to in 2014 but 16 was really when we filed you know all that all the all the paperwork and all that other fun stuff and our very first hashtag slogan whatever was work wherever And I remember trying to explain to people, to my own CMO at the time, I'm like, hey, it's work wherever. We build processes and automation and business applications that empower organizations to work wherever. And he was like, that's stupid. He's like, why would we do that? Business is done in an office. And I remember having to fight my own team at the time. It was my CMO, who's no longer with me, probably for certain reasons yeah but i mean he's a great guy he's doing well it's still in cloud computing actually so um he figured it out eventually but the the vision that i had and was trying to paint people was like look like you don't have to be in an office you can do this wherever there is wi-fi to your point which Mm -hmm. nowadays society is starting to catch up thanks to covid i mean if, if anything good came out of covid it's the realization that business can be done wherever and oh by the way your employees need mental breaks and need to get outside and they need to be a part of nature and they need to be home to eat dinner with their family and we talk about all the problems that are going on in america right now and so much of that is due to the you know people talk about toxic toxic masculinity I don't believe in toxic masculinity. What I believe in is toxic workplaces that remove the father from the family and mm-hmm. or the, whoever, the you know, the either parent. But mm-hmm. t- typically in Hollywood, you see these movies where the father is late to the baseball game or they're not at dinner or they're just sucked away at work. And this has become so much of a normal thing in our mm-hmm. society where it's like, well, dad just works. That's what he does. Mm-hmm. But it doesn't have to be that way. Dad can be home with the kids. Dad can be at the at the dinner table. He can never miss another T-ball game, and that's that's not some pipe dream. We did it over COVID, and we still survived. Now, did the economy go down a little bit for us to learn that lesson? Yeah, but maybe that's the education part of it that we uh, we talked about earlier, right? And and so the ability to go travel and still live your life, I think, is something that people they're starting to get i still feel like we still have this idea in our brains that it's like well if i'm not in an office physically punching a card i'm not working hard enough and we have this idea that's like oh if you take a mental break you go a walk with your kids during the day you must be lazy or you must not be working oh well so and so took a meeting from the golf course the other day who cares like did he get all this stuff done you know, like, was he productive like that? That's what I feel like what we should be caring about is not where are you sitting or or anything like that. But how productive are you? How, okay. Are you solving problems? Are you being productive? Because there is that other avenue, right? Like you're on a plane. You just mentioned it. You're on, you're on planes. You're traveling. You're you're all over, you know, all over the United States and Canada. You're sitting by the ocean. And maybe somebody what they see is like your pictures on the Internet where you're like in the ocean. What they don't see is all the hard work you're putting in all those red eyes that you you just had to take all those driving from airport to airport in order to live that life and service your clients at the same time and i don't think anyone who knows you would think that you're not working hard but <laughs> for some reason there's this like disconnect and i think it goes back to the same people who are like afraid to start a business there's it's, there's some mental block there where it's like no i have to sit in traffic i have to sit in my cubicle because this is what I've been told is working hard. Mm -hmm. And it's just not true. Mm -mm.
1: Yeah. And I mean, some people do need to be in an, and I mean, I'm in the office right now when I'm home, I'm in the office. And I think that that's Mm -hmm. the power of, what we can do. I mean, you're obviously, you're kind of your office too. That's the yeah. power what we can do is, you know, we can have structure and then we can also travel now. And that's what I love. I'm like, all right, I need to be in the environment. Sometimes I need to be around people. I need to, you know, have the associations. So I go to events like the Arte event and stuff like that. I need that interaction, but then I can also do remote work. And so it's like having the best of both worlds now and mm-hmm. knowing, you know, if you don't know what your strengths are, knowing what your strengths are and what you need, because everyone's going to be different um, some people are really motivated at home, but, but I mean, if you've got kids at home, maybe it is super distracting. And you need to go to the office once in a while and get work done yep. faster. Um, but really knowing, I think that's the key is like really knowing what are your strengths, what are your weaknesses and how can you, you know, make them work remotely or in the office yeah. in the office and not do anything too. I see people do that all the time. So like <laughs> what, yep. what works best for you?
0: <laughs> yeah, that's so I, and my first job, was not a remote job. Well, I mean, I guess if you go if you go back to like my first corporate job, I'll say. Because my first cor- corporate job was not a remote drive uh, job. I had to drive two hours, sit in a cubicle, which I didn't even have a cubicle. I had a hallway. I, my desk was li- literally in the hallway, right? But in order to pay those dues, to learn about – it was with the government. So to learn about government processes, to learn about the inefficiencies – it was important that I was within those walls so that then I could understand what the problems that I'm trying to fix so that now I don't have to be confined by those walls and I can go help other organizations figure those things out. But it it didn't, didn't start that way. That is an important thing to note for anyone who's younger listening. And they're like, I'm only taking remote jobs. That's not what we're saying. Okay. now, Is that like kind of a funny thing to post on the internet? Yeah, sure. Are there, you know, reels and memes and TikToks and whatever else things are out there that you want to talk about? Oh, I'm not going to the office. Yeah, sure. But don't put, don't pin yourself to something where you're going to miss out on valuable information and education to put into the work so that eventually you can get, maybe you got to put those four years into Mm -hmm. an office job or an office gig so -hmm. that you can get to a point where you can travel. I agree and that's all part of the journey yeah people miss that though
1: yeah they just want to jump to the end game
0: <laughs> and people patience that's the horse training that's the yes. training there's patience you don't just jump on the horse
1: no i you tried know? that that never worked well <laughs> it doesn't work no.
0: <laughs> no patience is a virtue that's right patience is a virtue for a reason well angela thank you so much for coming on um how can people reach out to you how can people get in touch
1: Uh, Probably the easiest way to reach out to me would be Instagram, which is uh, real Angela Bradford, just one word, I would say that's probably the easiest way to reach out to me And I would love to chat about anything to do with anything we chatted about. Um, So yeah, definitely find me there and and reach out anytime. And it's been such an honor to be on Roy really appreciate the time and I'm really looking forward to hanging out in Savannah, uh, Savannah, Georgia in november i feel like i gotta add an
0: accent in there so <laughs> that's right. you gotta you gotta practice you gotta practice. We have that southern twang start that's drinking right. some sweet tea that's yeah. right uh <laughs> well yeah i'm excited i'm excited to hang out too and and it was an honor to have you on so i i thank you so much for for being here it's been an absolute pleasure i know people are going to come away with this learning something and uh hopefully they're so actually you know what there was one other thing that i wanted to, to mention because i've titled this be a starfish which i believe is your that's your thing, right?
1: Yeah, starfish.
0: Yeah, yeah. So what's a what's a starfish? What does be a starfish mean? Before we before we close? okay.
1: So there's a poem, and if you look up starfish poem, you'll see it. And um, the poem is about a little girl or a little boy doesn't matter. A little girl's out there wandering down the water uh, on the ocean, and she's throwing back seas um, like starfish into the water because you know they die if they're they're washed out. They didn't get back in the water. And so this older guy, this grandpa kind of guy, he walks by and he goes. You can't save them all. Like there's hundreds and hundreds across the across the beach, and she goes, "Yeah," and she throws one in. But I can save this one, and so each one of us can save one starfish at a time. We not be able to save everyone, but we can save one at a time. And so that's my biggest thing. I actually have the bit right here beside me. One person can make a difference with one starfish at a time.
0: I love that. I didn't know that. I don't think I had heard that. I I knew starfish was your thing, but I. I, I love that poem. Well, th- thank you so much. And guys, go be a, go save a starfish. One we'll star a starfish at a time. That, yeah. There it is. There's the motto uh, <laughs> of the podcast. Well, Angela, thank you so much for, uh, for hopping on. It's been an uh, absolute pleasure having you and uh, guys go check her out real Angela Bradford on the IG. Uh, thanks for hanging out.
1: Thanks for
0: having me well guys thanks for uh, thanks for being here thanks for hanging out hopefully you guys learned something thank you to all who are listening all the platforms spotify itunes youtube all those good things guys if you have any questions hit us in the comments on youtube we will be answering those comments in our roys rants i've been answering te- technical questions process questions design questions homeschool you know it you know i'll answer it i just ask the question and we will uh we'll put a video out for you uh to make sure that gets answered thanks for hanging out until next cool. time guys see you well, guys, thanks so much for watching and or listening. We have had a great time. Hope you did too. You can find all of the Work Wherever podcast episodes here on YouTube, iTunes, Spotify, or all of your major stream platforms with new episodes dropping every Monday. Make sure to follow us at Capital Presence on all social platforms to stay up to date with the things all Work Wherever related. See you next week.